This is a recording of They Shall Be Scattered Again. Some notes on JST Genesis 50, 24-25, and 33-35 by Matthew L. Bowen. Published in Interpreter, a journal of Latter-day Saint faith and scholarship, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. This article examines the extension of the ideological wordplay on the name Joseph in terms of the Hebrew verbs asap and yasap, recurrent in the canonical text of Genesis, into the JST Genesis 50 text, where Joseph learns about and prophesies of a future Joseph who would help gather Israel after they had been scattered again by the Lord. This article also analyzes the pairing of the prophetic and syric roles of Moses and the Latter-day Joseph at the beginning and ending of JST Genesis, and explores the significance of his framing. The importance of Moses and Joseph Smith writing the word of the Lord in order to fulfill their prophetic responsibility to gather Israel emerges. Over the past few years, several articles exploring potential instances of word plays related to the name Joseph in the Book of Mormon have appeared in print. For example, initial forays explored Nephi's exegetical juxtaposition of Isaiah's prophecies on the basis of the Yasap Yosip idiom as a wordplay on the name Joseph. Compare 2 Nephi 25, 17, 21, 29, 1 to Isaiah 11, 11 and 29, 14 in anticipation of a future seer named Joseph. Subsequent studies have identified Nephi's adaptation of biblical Joseph wordplay to draw parallels between his own life and that of Joseph in Egypt, his ancestor. The interrelated meanings of the names Joseph and Ephraim, Jacob's use of the Yosip idiom in Isaiah 11.11, 2 Nephi 6.14, and Jacob 6.2 in connection with the name Joseph, and other potentially significant examples of similar phenomena in the Book of Mormon. The present study differs from these previous efforts in that it explores the text of the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis 50, including the Joseph-relevant onomastic phenomena. I will attempt to show that this novel aspect of scriptural wordplay is worthy of our attention. Wordplay on the name Joseph, Yosep, exploiting the verbs yasap, add, and asap, take away, gather constitutes a prominent feature of the Hebrew text of the Genesis narratives that recount the life of Joseph the Patriarch and its aftermath, Genesis 37 through Exodus 1. Famously, Rachel explains Joseph's naming in Genesis 30, 23-24 on the basis of both verbs. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away a sop, or has gathered up, my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, Yosep, and said, The Lord shall add, Yosep, to me another son. Joseph's brother's hatred for him and his spiritual gifts receives a double emphasis in terms of the verb Yosep. Quote, and they hated him yet the more, while Yosipu owed. Quote, and they hated him yet the more, why Yosipu owed, for his dreams and for his words. Genesis 37, 5 and 8. 
The narrator further describes Joseph's gathering his brothers into prison or a place of keeping using the verb asap, quote, and he put them all together, waye esop, or he gathered them, into ward three days, Genesis 42.17. A very early gathering of the Bene Yisrael, the sons or children of Israel, so designated in Genesis 42.5. Judah recounts the threat of Joseph, still in disguise, that will be activated if he and his brothers failed to bring Benjamin down to Egypt, a threat which subtly recalls the brothers' earlier hatred for Joseph. Quote, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. Lo tosipun. Genesis 44.23 The death of the patriarch Jacob Israel is also described in terms of a gathering of Israel in Joseph's presence. Quote, and when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up Yesop, his feet, into the bed, and yielded up the ghost, and was gathered, Yesep, unto his people. And Joseph, Yosep, fell upon his father's face, and wept upon him, and kissed him. Genesis 49.33-51 through 51. Lastly, the transition in the book of Exodus from the preceding patriarchal Genesis narratives to an account of Israel's gathering and exodus from Egypt includes a final direct wordplay on the name Joseph. Quote, now, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph, Yosef. And he said, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join, when Osap be added, also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Exodus 1, 8 and 10. These examples demonstrate how firmly the narrative welds the name Joseph to the two verbs with which his name is first etiologized, and the concepts these verbs express, adding or doing again, and gathering or taking away. In this study, I endeavor to show that the thematic emphasis on Joseph's name with regard to the verbs yasap and asap extends to the textual restorations of JST Genesis 50. Joseph's prophecy, quote, that they, i.e. the house of Israel, shall be scattered again, JST Genesis 50.25, links Israel's future to the meaning of Joseph's name, quote, may he, God, add, or, quote, may he do again, close quote. In other words, the phrase, they shall be scattered again, functions as an expression of the Yasap concept with the Lord as the implied agent of the divine passive, just as he is the implied subject of the verb Yosep as constituting the name Joseph. Moreover, the Lord swearing a prophetic oath to Joseph replicates the onomastic connection between Joseph and Asap gathering. Quote, and the Lord swore unto Joseph, Yosep, that he would preserve his seed forever, saying, I will raise up Moses, Moshe, and a rod shall be in his hand, and he shall gather together, cf. Weasap, my people, and he shall lead them as a flock, JST Genesis 50.34. The future raising up of Moses as a seer, tasked with the gathering of Israel, in fulfillment of promises made to Joseph in Egypt, 
anticipates the role of a future Joseph, who after Israel had been scattered again, would be similarly tasked as seer, with commencing the work of gathering Israel for the last time in fulfillment of the same divine promises. In fact, it is the prophetic reality of Israel's being scattered again that will necessitate the Lord setting his hand again, Yosip Yado, by raising up a Moses-like seer who would be named Yosep to commence the work of gathering Israel again. The name Joseph, Yosep, understood in terms of the two verbs with which it is ideologized in Genesis 30, 23-24, Asap and Yasap, succinctly summarizes the divine action of gathering Israel again as a complete redress of Israel's being scattered again, all in fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. The work of gathering Israel for the final time would include the restoration of divine words, originally given to and written down by Moses, in fulfillment of promises made to Joseph the Patriarch, words that would be had again, even after their deliberate diminution and suppression. The proposed Joseph wordplay in JST Genesis 50, together with the pairing of Moses and Joseph Smith's Syriac roles, helps to form a kind of Moses and Joseph-centric inclusio, with the Lord's promise to Moses in Moses 141. This inclusio frames the JST Genesis material in terms of the work of two great prophet seers, Moses and a latter-day Joseph. They shall be scattered again, and a branch shall be broken off. The scattering of gathered Israel. Joseph gathers Waya Esop, his brothers, into prison in Egypt, and eventually the whole family of Jacob Israel, Genesis 42. Years later, the narrative of the latter's life concludes with a scene that poignantly emphasizes gathering. Moshe Garcia averts that this scene is punctuated with wordplay on the name Joseph. Quote, and when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up, via soap, his feet into the bed, and yielded up the ghost, and was gathered, via asip, unto his people. And Joseph, Yosep, fell upon his father's face, and wept upon him, and kissed him. Genesis 49, 33-51 This wordplay explicitly links Joseph's name to the Pentateuchal theme of divine gathering in the spirit world, including the gathering of Israel in the spirit world. In a symbolic sense, Jacob's gathering up his feet and being gathered to his people represents Israel's gathering on both sides of the veil. Philip S. Johnson notes that the phrase gathered unto his people as a thematic expression, quote, indicates joining one's ancestors in the afterlife. Most scholars assume this reunion takes place in Sheol, as in Psalm 49, even if Sheol is never mentioned in the same context, close quote. The image of Waya'esab, gathering, of Jacob Israel to his people in Sheol, or the spirit world, is consonant with this scene from the vision of President Joseph F. Smith, quote, And they were gathered together in one place an innumerable company of the spirits of the just, who had been faithful in the testimony of Jesus while they lived in mortality, and who had offered sacrifice in the similitude of the great sacrifice 
of the Son of God, and had suffered tribulation in the Redeemer's name. All these had departed the mortal life firm in the hope of a glorious resurrection, through the grace of God the Father and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I beheld that they were filled with joy and gladness, and were rejoicing together because the day of their deliverance was at hand. They were assembled, awaiting the advent of the Son of God into the spirit world, to declare their redemption from the bands of death. Their sleeping dust was to be restored unto its perfect frame, bone to his bone, and the sinews and the flesh upon them, the spirit and the body, to be united, never again to be divided, that they might receive a fullness of joy. Doctrine and Covenants 138, 12-17 President Smith goes on to state that he saw the patriarch Jacob Israel himself in this august gathering, along with Abraham and Isaac, D.N.C. 138.41. The image of Jacob being gathered to his people or kindred in the spirit world helps establish the backdrop for Joseph's prophecy of Israel's being scattered again and then gathered. In the context of the JST's expansion of Genesis 50, the Joseph wordplay in Genesis 49.33-51 sets the stage for the onomastic allusions to the names Joseph and Ephraim that occur in Joseph's speech to his brothers. Quote, And Joseph, Yosep, said unto his brethren, I die and go unto my fathers, and I go down to my grave with joy. The God of my father Jacob be with you to deliver you out of affliction in the days of your bondage. For the Lord hath visited me, and I have obtained a promise of the Lord that out of the fruit, peri, of my loins, the Lord God will raise up a righteous branch out of my loins, and unto thee, whom my father Jacob hath named Israel, a prophet, not the Messiah who is called Shiloh. And this prophet shall deliver my people out of Egypt in the days of thy bondage. And it shall come to pass that they shall be scattered again. C.F. Yosipu Lehizarot and a branch shall be broken off, and shall be carried into a far country. C.F. Eretz Rechukah. Nevertheless, they shall be remembered in the covenants of the Lord, when the Messiah cometh, for he shall be made manifest unto them in the latter days, in the spirit of power, and shall bring them out of darkness into light, out of hidden darkness, and out of captivity unto freedom. J.S.T. Genesis 50, 24-25. The phrase, they shall be scattered again, as antonymic of Israel's initial gathering under Moses, and as synonymic of the Lord's adding, or doing something again, to gather Israel in the future, recalls the name Joseph, C.F. Yosip, Yado Liknot. Quote, he shall set his hand again to recover, Isaiah 11.11. This phrase particularly recalls the double etiology for Joseph's naming in terms of the verb asap, take away or gather, and yasap, add, do something again. In Genesis 30, 23-24. The apparent wordplay or onomastic allusion creates a link between the name Joseph and the destiny of Joseph's descendants as those who would add to be scattered by the Lord, broken off from the tree of Israel, C.F. Jacob 5, and exiled to a far country, including the Americas, 
but then remembered when the Lord would gather Israel in fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Joseph's prophecy of branches being broken off and carried into a far country furnishes an immediate interpretation of one part of his father Jacob's blessing upon him. Quote, Joseph, Yosef, is a fruitful bough, ben parat, literally a fruitful son. Even a fruitful bough, ben parat, by a well, whose branches, banot, literally daughters, run over the wall, Genesis 49.22. The fruitful son concept is particularly reinforced by Joseph's use of the phrase, quote, fruit of my, or thy, loins, JST Genesis 50.24, 26-27, and 30-31. Since the name Ephraim suggests the meaning doubly fruitful, Joseph clearly uses branch in the same familial or kinship sense as descendants. Joseph's reference to his father's poetic blessing and the derived image of a righteous branch raised up, quote, out of the fruit of my loins, close quote, also recalls the much earlier interrelated ideological wordplay on the name of Joseph's son Ephraim in the ideology for his name, quote, and the name of the second called the Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful, Hiprani, in the land of my affliction, Genesis 41.52, CF Genesis 48.4, and especially JST Genesis 48.9-10. Lehi's prophecy concerning the scattering and gathering of Israel in 1 Nephi 10 which Nephi places in between his account of his father Lehi's dream of the tree of life, 1 Nephi 8, and his own vision of the tree of life, 1 Nephi 11-14, constitutes the first such prophecy in the Book of Mormon. Quote, Yea, even my father spake much concerning the Gentiles, and also concerning the house of Israel, that they should be compared like unto an olive tree, whose branches should be broken off, and should be scattered upon all the face of the earth. Wherefore, he said, it must needs be that we should be led with one accord into the land of promise, unto the fulfilling of the word of the Lord, that we should be scattered upon all the face of the earth. And after the house of Israel should be scattered, they should be gathered together again. Or, in fine, after the Gentiles had received the fullness of the gospel, the natural branches of the olive tree, or the remnants of the house of Israel, should be grafted in, or come to the knowledge of the true Messiah, their Lord and their Redeemer. 1 Nephi 10, 12-14 Lehi clearly had Zenos' allegory of the olive trees, later reproduced in Toto in Jacob 5, in mind when he made this prophecy. Noel B. Reynolds notes that Lehi's use of Zenos here constitutes, quote, the earliest use of Zenos' allegory in the Book of Mormon, close quote. But Lehi also appears to have had Joseph's prophecy in mind, forms of which appear in 2 Nephi 3 and JST Genesis 50. Both texts existed on the brass plates of Laban. Lehi's phrase, quote, whose branches should be broken off and scattered, close quote, as recorded by Nephi, clearly, quote, uses language from Zenos' allegory, close quote. Nevertheless, Lehi's words are also clearly consonant with Joseph's prophecy. Quote, they shall be scattered again and a branch broken off. Close quote. This raises the intriguing possibility of a more ancient 
inspiration for Zena's allegory, namely textual dependency on the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt. Elements of Zena's allegory and his other prophecies regarding the gathering of Israel may originally stem from the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt. Another textual indication that such may be the case is Zena's evident use of the Yosip idiom throughout the allegory, i.e. language expressing iterative divine action or results in terms of doing or becoming something again. Jacob 5.29, 33, 58, 60 through 61, 63, 67, 73 through 75, CF verse 77. If so, Zenus's replete use of this idiom functions as an onomastic allusion back to Joseph in Egypt and his prophecy, including the Lord's promise to gather Israel again. At the same time, it would also function as an allusion forward to a future Joseph through whom the Lord of the vineyard's iterative action and iterative results would be accomplished. Jacob, the son of Lehi and the brother of Nephi, the one who later provides a complete text for Zena's allegory for the olive tree in Jacob 5, relays the following prophetic promise regarding the scattering and gathering of Israel spoken to him by an angel. Jacob's inclusion of this prophecy constitutes part of an interpretive introduction to his covenant speech, a speech which begins in 2 Nephi 6 and runs through 2 Nephi 10, the central text of which is Isaiah 49.22-52.2. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh, and shall not be suffered to perish because of the prayers of the faithful, they shall be scattered and smitten and hated. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them, that when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the land of their inheritance. 2 Nephi 6.11 This verse, like Jacob's sermon as a whole, looks forward on the gathering of Israel as described in Isaiah 49.22-23, but also on the fulfillment of Isaiah 11.11-12. Quote, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again, Yosip, the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble, Weasab, gather, the outcasts of Israel and gather together, Yekabetz, the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Jacob's particular interest in Isaiah 11.11 is confirmed three verses later when he directly quotes or paraphrases this prophecy. Quote, and behold, according to the words of the prophet, the Messiah will set himself again, Siap Yosip, the second time to recover his people. Second Nephi 6.14 Jacob's interpretation of Isaiah 11.11 is clearly reminiscent of Joseph's prophecy regarding Israel. Quote, Nevertheless, they shall be remembered in the covenants of the Lord when the Messiah cometh, for he shall be made manifest unto them in the latter days in the spirit of power. JST Genesis 50.25 Assuming this part of Joseph's prophecy existed on the brass plates, along with the portion attested in 2 Nephi 3, 
Jacob's use of the term Messiah, Mashiach, anointed one, here may have been influenced by the use of the same or similar term in Joseph's prophecy. Jacob's covenant sermon in 2 Nephi 6-10 through represents something of a sequel to, or a fuller working out of, Nephi's exegetical explanation of Isaiah 48-49 through to his brothers. See 1 Nephi 22. Nephi sees in Isaiah's words a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant in Israel's scattering and subsequent gathering. Isaiah 49, 22-23 serves as a key text both in Jacob's covenant sermon and in Nephi's earlier exegesis. However, Nephi's exegesis also relies heavily on the prophecy of the coming forth of the sealed book, Isaiah 29, including verse 14, wherein the Lord promises, quote, I will proceed, Yosib, to do a marvelous work among this people. Quote. Nephi's exegesis and Isaiah's prophecy also use language reminiscent of Joseph's prophecy. Comparing the language of JST Genesis 50:25 with 1 Nephi 22:8 and 11-12 and Isaiah 29:14 and 18-19 helps visualize the similarity and possible intertextual relationships between these prophecies. JST Genesis 50:25. And it shall come to pass that they shall be scattered again. CF Yosipu Lehizarot and a branch shall be broken off, and shall be carried into a far country. Nevertheless, they shall be remembered in the covenants of the Lord when the Messiah cometh. For he shall be made manifest unto them in the latter days, in the spirit of power, and shall bring them out of darkness into light, out of hidden darkness, and out of captivity unto freedom. First Nephi 22, 8, and 11-12 And after our seed is scattered, the Lord God will proceed, C.F. Yosip, to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed. Wherefore, it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles, and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. Wherefore, the Lord God will proceed, C.F. Yosip, to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations, in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto those who are of the house of Israel. Wherefore, he will bring them again, C.F. Yosip, out of captivity, and they shall be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness, and they shall know that the Lord is their Savior and their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. Isaiah 29:14 and 18-19 Therefore, behold, I will proceed, Yosip, or Yosip, to do a marvelous work among this people even a marvelous work and a wonder. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase, weyospu, their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. It is also clear that Nephi's exegesis of Isaiah 48-49 is textually dependent upon Isaiah 29-14 and 18-19, among other texts. However, the language of Nephi's exegesis and that of Isaiah 29-14 and 18-19 exhibit remarkable similarity to Joseph's prophecy in JST Genesis 50-25. 
it is likely that Nephi knew some form of this prophecy. See, you have 2 Nephi 3. And it is not impossible that Isaiah himself knew some form of the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt. The language of divine deliverance from bondage is prominent and very similarly expressed in all three of these texts. Quote, And he shall bring them out of darkness into light, out of hidden darkness, and out of captivity unto freedom. Quote. Quote, he will bring them again out of captivity, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness. Quote. Quote, the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Quote. The language all revolves around the agentic role that Moses fulfilled in delivering Israel out of Egypt. Quote, this prophet shall deliver my people out of Egypt in the days of thy bondage. JST Genesis 50, 24. But it also anticipates a future figure who would play a similar role who would be named Joseph. JST Genesis 50, 33. 2 Nephi 3, 15. See further below. Of course, Joseph Smith never lived to see the complete gathering and latter-day redemption of Israel, a work which remains ongoing on both sides of the veil, and a work in which he continues as an active participant. However, Joseph did translate and bring forth the book whose words the deaf would hear, and which would cause, quote, the eyes of the blind to see out of obscurity and out of darkness, Isaiah 29:18. He did establish a church whose members would be given power to, quote, bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, DNC 1:30, and in which would gather a people sufficient to lay the foundation for the complete gathering of Israel. Nephi foresaw that, quote, after they, the house of Israel, were restored, they should no more, lo Yosipu, be confounded, neither should they be scattered again, well lo Yosipu. 1 Nephi 15.20, see at 1 Nephi 14.2, Ether 13.8. Although Israel had been scattered again, in fulfillment of the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt, the prophetic and seeric work of Joseph Smith has ensured that the spiritual blessings and conditions will prevail such that Israel shall never be, quote, scattered again. Here again, Nephi's use of Asianic language echoes the name Joseph, and perhaps does so in interaction with the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt. And his name shall be called Joseph, the centrality of Joseph's name in Joseph's prophecy. The centrality of the name Joseph in the canonical text of Genesis is clear from the examples cited at the beginning of the study. This centrality receives even greater emphasis in the JST Genesis text, with Joseph explicitly prophesying that the future seer would be named Joseph. JST Genesis 50:33. And that seer will I bless, and they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded. For this promise I give unto you, for I will remember you from generation to generation. And his name shall be called Joseph, Yosep. And it shall be after the name of his father, and he shall be like unto you. For the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand shall bring my people unto salvation. Second Nephi 3, 14-15 And thus prophesied Joseph, Yosep, saying, Behold, that seer will the Lord bless. And they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded. For this promise, which I have obtained by the Lord, of the fruit of my loins, shall be fulfilled. Behold, I am sure of the fulfilling of this promise. 
and his name shall be called after me, and it shall be after the name of his father. And he shall be like unto me, for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand, by the power of the Lord, shall bring my people unto salvation. The identification of the future raised up seer as one who would be named Yosef is even more explicit in JST Genesis 50.33 than in the text of 2 Nephi 3.15. The language of the JST Genesis text suggests that the Lord explicitly told Joseph the name of the Latter-day Seer, quote, and his name shall be called Joseph, i.e. Yosef. The Book of Mormon text reflects Joseph relaying this same information without the direct use of his name. Quote, and his name shall be called after me, i.e. Yosef. All of this seems to suggest that Joseph at some point recorded and relayed his information, referring to himself in the first person. And he shall gather my people, Moses, as an antitype for the future Joseph. The typological pairing of Moses and the future Joseph's prophetic and syric roles is established in JST Genesis 50, 27-32, before the latter's naming in JST Genesis 50, 33. In JST Genesis 50, 34-35, Moses' specific prophetic role in gathering Israel and the relationship of the prophetic syric role of writing the divine word to the former is made clear in JST Genesis 50, 34-35. Moses' writing of the word of the Lord represents a vital aspect of his gathering Israel. Writing the word of the Lord as a part of gathering, of course, has implications for the Latter-day Joseph. A comparison of JST Genesis 50, 34-35 and 2 Nephi 3.17 brings some additional significant detail into focus. JST Genesis 50, 34-35 And the Lord swore to Joseph that he would preserve his seed forever, saying, I will raise up Moses, Moshe, and a rod shall be in his hand, and he shall gather together my people, and he shall lead them as a flock, and he shall smite the waters of the Red Sea with his rod, Hebrew, Matehu, Egyptian, M-D-W-F, and he shall have judgment, and shall write the word, Hebrew, Dabar, Egyptian, M-D-W-M-T-T, M-T-T, of the Lord. And he shall not speak many words, Hebrew, Debarim, Egyptian, M-D-W-T. For I will write unto him my law by the finger of mine own hand, and I will make a spokesman, Hebrew, Deber, Egyptian, M-D-W-T-Y, for him, and his name shall be called Aaron. Second Nephi 3.17 And the Lord said, I will raise up a Moses, Egyptian, a begotten son, Hebrew, Moshe, i.e., a puller. And I will give power unto him in a rod. And I will give judgment unto him in writing. Yet I will not loose his tongue, that he shall speak much. For I will not make him mighty in speaking. But I will write unto him my law by the finger of mine own hand. And I will make a spokesman for him. In a roundabout way, Nephi refers to the prophetic oath, quote, The Lord swear unto Joseph, that he would preserve his seed forever, saying, I will raise up a Moses, close quote, in Second Nephi 25.21. Quote, Wherefore, for this cause hath the Lord God promised unto me 
that these things which I write shall be kept and preserved and handed down unto my seed from generation to generation, that the promise may be fulfilled unto Joseph, Yosep, that his seed should never perish as long as the earth should stand. 2 Nephi 25.21 Nephi recalls this oath in immediate conjunction with his exegetical use of Isaiah 11.11 and Isaiah 29.14 in 2 Nephi 21.17 as an onomastic wordplay on the name Joseph. Quote, And the Lord will set his hand again, Yosip, the second time to restore his people from their lost and fallen state, quoting Isaiah 11.11. Wherefore he will proceed, Yosip or Yosip, to do a marvelous work and a wonder among the children of men, quoting Isaiah 29.14. The Lord's prophetic oath would not only require a Moses to gather Israel and write the word of the Lord, but also a Latter-day Seer of Joseph to gather Israel to re-add ancient scripture and to bring forth modern scripture, including divine law. See E.G. D.N.C. 42. The Lord's first gathering of Israel in ancient Egypt begins with his commanding Moses, quote, Go and gather, we'asapta, the elders of Israel together, Exodus 3.16, a commandment that Moses and Aaron fulfilled together. Quote, and Moses and Aaron went and gathered together, waya aspu, all the elders of the children of Israel. Exodus 4.29 The Hebrew text here employs the same key verb, asap, so closely connected to Joseph, his name, and the family gathering scenes in Egypt detailed in the Joseph narrative cycle, Genesis 37-50. through It is worth noting here the slight textual variance between JST Genesis 50-34 I will raise up Moses, and 2 Nephi 3.17, I will raise up a Moses. In either case, underlying texts would very likely have read identically, since a Semitic Hebrew original would have lacked an indefinite article. The Book of Mormon rendering, a Moses, helps us see that the name Moses can function as a substantivized participle, or even as a title. As Michael P. O'Connor notes, the Hebrew form Moshe constitutes a, quote, pseudo-active participle form, close quote, suggesting the meaning puller. This datum squares with the Lord's promise to Moses in Moses 125, quote, thou shalt be made stronger than many waters. And the concept of Moses baptizing or pulling Israel through the red or reed sea in Exodus. The biblical text employs an etiology that suggests a passive meaning for the name of Moses, i.e. pulled or drawn. Quote, and she called his name Moses, Moshe. And she said, because I drew him, Meshitihu, out of the water, Exodus 2.10. However, the Hebrew etiology betrays a consciousness of the Egyptian origin of Moses, begotten, from Egyptian MSI, beget. C.F. Ramesses, Tutmosis, Amos, etc., in his use of birth imagery that depicts Moses being pulled from or begotten from water, evocative of amniotic fluid. Even earlier, J.S.T. Genesis 50 makes clear that Moses' name, like Joseph Smith's personal name, was foreknown and foreordained. Quote, For a seer will I raise up to deliver my people out of the land of Egypt, and he shall be called Moses. 
and by this name he shall know that he is of thy house, for he shall be nursed by the king's daughter and shall be called her son. JST 50.29 Nathan Arp, noting the clear connection between Exodus 2.10 and JST Genesis 50.29, also noted the evident wordplay on Moses in terms of son. Quote, It is fitting that Joseph, who knew Egyptian, would prophesy of Moses and include an Egyptian pun. Close quote. It is further possible that the versions of Joseph's prophecy preserved in JST Genesis 50 and 2 Nephi 3 both preserve the echoes of another Egyptian pun. The phrases, And a rod shall be in his hand, and he shall smite the waters of the Red Sea with his rod, JST Genesis 50:34), along with, And I will give power unto him in a rod, 2 Nephi 3.17, are immediately juxtaposed with, And he shall write the word of the Lord, and he shall not speak many words, JST Genesis 50.35, and Yet I will not loose his tongue that he may speak much, for I will not make him mighty in speaking, 2 Nephi 3.17. In terms of an Egyptianism, the wordplay would turn on the Egyptian lexeme MDW which as a noun means both rod and word, and as a verb means to speak. If valid, such a wordplay would operate very similar to the Egyptianistic wordplay on rod and word in 1 Nephi 11.25, quote, And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron, which my father had seen, was the word of God. And 1 Nephi 15.23-24, quote, And they said unto me, what meaneth the rod of iron? And I said unto them that it was the word of God, and whoso would hearken unto the word of God and would hold fast unto it, they would never perish. Quote. It is also Nephi who states that, quote, by his, Moses, word, the waters of the Red Sea were divided hither and thither, quote. and that, quote, Moses, by his word, according to the power of God which was in him, smote the rock, and there came forth water. 1 Nephi 17, 26 and 29. The Hebrew term for rod in the Exodus narratives is mate, a term also attested in the collocation mate ha'alohim, rod of God, Exodus 4, 20 and 17, 9, which parallels the Egyptian expression mdwntr, word of God, divine decree, sacred writing may constitute a loan word from Egyptian MDW, if not derived from Hebrew nata, qual, reach out, spread out, stretch out, hifil, stretch out, spread out, extend, bestow. For Nephi, the rod and the word were interchangeable, and this seems to have been rooted in the polysemy of Egyptian MDW. The possibility that Nephi thought to connect the rod of iron with the word of God, when he had a vision of the tree of life, because the similar Egyptianistic wordplay evident in Joseph's story on the brass plates is an intriguing one. Notably, both versions of Joseph's prophecy also conclude with the promise, quote, and I will make a spokesman for him, close quote, which also appears to add to the wordplay. The Hebrew term used for spokesman in the Exodus account is deber, a formation of the same root as the verb debar, speak, and the noun debar, word, thing.
This term corresponds semantically to the Egyptian MDW-derived word MDWTY, talker or speaker. Just as Moses in his Syriac role gathered, delivered, and preserved Israel through the event of the Exodus with the help of Aaron as spokesman, Deber, JST, Genesis 50, 35, Exodus 4, 16, JST, Exodus 7, 1, 2 Nephi 3, 17, Joseph Smith, as seer, would accomplish much of the initial work of the gathering and restoration of Israel, with Sidney Rigdon functioning as a spokesman and scribe in writing the word. Quote, And it is expedient in me that you, my servant Sidney, should be a spokesman unto this people. Yea, verily, I will ordain you unto this calling, even to be a spokesman unto my servant Joseph. And I will give unto him power to be mighty in testimony. And I will give unto thee power to be mighty in expounding all scriptures, that thou mayest be a spokesman unto him. And he shall be a revelator unto thee, that thou mayest know the certainty of all things pertaining to the things of my kingdom on the earth. DNC 109 9-11 this revelation describes Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon's interrelationship in language reminiscent of the biblical descriptions of the relationship between Moses and Aaron. Here we recall that the rendition of the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt in 2 Nephi 3 drew an additional parallel between Moses' Syriac prophetic role and that of the latter-day Joseph. Just as Aaron functioned as a spokesman for Moses, the latter day raised up seer named Joseph would also have a spokesman. Quote, and the Lord said unto me also, I will raise up unto the fruit of thy loins, and I will make for him a spokesman. And I, behold, I will give unto him that he shall write the writing of the fruit of thy loins unto the fruit of thy loins, and the spokesman of thy loins shall declare it. And the words which he shall write shall be the words which are expedient in my wisdom should go forth unto the fruit of thy loins. And it shall be as if the fruit of thy loins had cried unto them from the dust, for I know their faith. Second Nephi 3.18-19 Joseph's prophecy echoes the meaning of the name Ephraim, doubly fruitful, in the collocation fruit of thy loins, as a designation for Joseph's descendants, including Ephraim's descendants. The spokesman of thy loins, as a Josephite Ephraimite descendant, would be given the gift of quote, writing the writing close quote, of Joseph's descendants to Joseph's latter-day descendants as part of the divine translation process that would enable the words to go forth to those descendants. Moses could gather together the Lord's people as a flock close quote, with the quote, rod of God, close quote, a pharaonic image, with Aaron as spokesman. A latter-day Joseph would gather together the Lord's people with the word of God, written and dictated by the seer himself, and even preached by scribes as spokesmen. On one level, this prophecy was fulfilled by Oliver Cowdery in his scribal work for Joseph Smith during the process of the Book of Mormon's divine translation. However, it was also fulfilled by Sidney Rigdon in his service to Joseph as both a scribe and a spokesman. In each instance, these spokesmen were instrumental in, quote, writing the word of the Lord, close quote, preaching that word, and enabling it to go forth to the gather of the Lord's people, 
Former and Latter-day Prophets and Seers, The Framing of JST Genesis. The relationship between the prophecy of Joseph in Egypt, JST Genesis 50, and the revelation to Moses in JST Genesis 1, Moses 1.41, has been obscured by the canonization of the latter in the book of Moses, where it has been severed from its JST Genesis context. Both prophecies bookend or frame the JST Genesis text as a self-contained literary unit. Both allude to and even play on the name Joseph, pointing to the restorative work that the raised-up seer would accomplish. The vision of Moses, Moses 1, which stands at the head of JST Genesis, includes the Lord's prophetic promise to Moses. A. And in the day when the children of men shall esteem my words as naught. B. And take many of them from the book which thou shalt write. C. Behold, I will raise up another like unto thee. B. Prime. And they shall be had again. A. Prime. Among the children of men. Among as many as shall believe. With respect to the JST Genesis text, this chiastic prophetic promise hints at the name Joseph in terms of the meanings of Asap and Yasap as the one explicitly named in JST Genesis 50, and constitutes the first pairing of Moses and the future Joseph's Syriac prophetic roles. This pairing in JST Genesis 50 recurs ahead of the Pentateuchal narrative's intense focus on the life, leadership, and law-giving of Moses. Conclusion The thematic Joseph wordplay that begins with Rachel's double etiology in Genesis 30, 23-24, using the verbs asab, gather, take away, and yasab, add, increase, do something again, and which recurs on both verbs through the late chapters in the Joseph cycle in Genesis 37-50 and Exodus 1-8-10, also extends to the Moses 1 and JST Genesis 50 textual restorations. Joseph's prophecy that the house of Israel, quote, shall be scattered again, and a branch shall be broken off and shall be carried into a far country, JST Genesis 50.25, alludes to Jacob's final blessing upon him, see especially Genesis 49.22, and plays on the name Joseph in at least two ways. First, the phrase, quote, they shall be scattered again, close quote, suggests the iterative divine action implied in the name Joseph, may he, God, add, may he do something again, a justive verb form of a causative stem of yasab. Second, the passive verb form of scatter as an antonym of gather recalls the ideological association of Joseph's name with the Hebrew verb asab. The repetition of the collocation Fruit of my loins, fruit of thy loins. JST Genesis 50, 24, 26-27, 30-31, recalls Jacob's blessing Joseph as a fruitful son or bow, with fruitful daughters or branches. Genesis 49:22, And particularly the name Ephraim, doubly fruitful, adding a distinctive onomastic flavoring to this prophecy of what Joseph's descendants through Ephraim and Manasseh would accomplish. CF also DNC 133, 26-32. Moreover, Joseph's prophecy that Moses would, quote, gather together my people, JST Genesis 50, 24, 
anticipates the similar role that the future raised-up seer named Joseph would fulfill. The pairing of Moses and the future Joseph's roles at the beginning and the ending of JST Genesis, Moses 141 and JST Genesis 50, suggests that understanding Moses' prophetic and seeric roles as gatherer of Israel and one called to, quote, write the word of the Lord, close quote, in order to gather Israel, is necessary also to understand Joseph Smith's prophetic and seric roles. Authors note, I would like to thank Susie Bowen, Alan Wyatt, Jeff Lindsay, Victor Worth, Alan Sykes, and Robert F. Smith for contributing to the publishing of his article. Matthew Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an Associate Professor in Religious Education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He also is author of Name as Key Word, Collected Essays on Onomastic Wordplay and the Temple in Mormon Scripture, Salt Lake City, Interpreter Foundation and Eborn Books, 2018. With Aaron P. Shade, he is the co-author of The Book of Moses, From the Ancient of Days to the Latter Days, Provo, Utah, Salt Lake City, Religious Studies Center, and Deseret Book, 2021. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zechariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of They Shall Be Scattered Again, some notes on JST Genesis 50, 24-25, and 33-35, by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, Volume 57, 2023, read by Victor Worth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are accredited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Latter-day Saint Scripture can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.